Okay. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Abney Bible Church, and welcome to our communion table. This is a time that we are inviting God to be specially present spiritually, but we have to prepare our heart for it, right? So give God a moment of confession, then we will pray. Dear God, our Heavenly Father, our Creator, our Father, our King and our Judge, we come to your, come to your throne, which is majestic, glorious, and it shows your glory, your justice, which is fearsome, but also your mercy and your grace, which is warming our hearts. We come to you in grace, covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, your Son, your only begotten Son, your eternal Son, your fellow creator and your heir of the kingdom and the estate. He was sent by you into this world. He lived as the only God-man, the only righteous man, the only holy man who never sinned, and the only man who volunteered to die because of love and obedience. And it is your plan to sacrifice him to show your love. And his obedience means that it is love, it is not tyranny, and it's not coolness. So we are the recipients of your grace. We who have been regenerated by the Holy Spirit inside, who are being sanctified by him in our soul, and now and we are promised to be glorified at the end. We come to you with gratefulness that fills our heart with joy and hope and happiness. We rejoice for your love, your election, your redemption, and your regeneration, and your sanctification. All of your work on us, which is evident by our changing life to be more like Christ every day. We, pro we pray that we are proving that you are successful. And whenever we have fallen short, we are sorry. We come to you to pray for your forgiveness, and we know that you do. But we shall pray that we will never try to take advantage of that, and we will ask you to not only forgive, but also lead us to defeat the temptation the next time as it comes and make us holy holier than before, more like you, more like Christ, more to the satisfaction of the Holy Spirit who lives in us, who is dressing us to be more beautiful in Christ's eyes. And we pray that we are cooperative, obedient, and you will be successful in making your plan success, successful at the end. And we pray that during this process today, it's a time when we come to you to confess, to remember Christ's grace, and because of the gratefulness, we voluntarily obey. We pray for understanding. We pray for the filling of the Holy Spirit. We pray for the empowerment from above, from within, and we pray for the success. We pray for the victory of uh, your spirit, of for your glory on us, and through us. As we do this communion, 
be present with us in a special way. Sanctify us, sanctify this church. Make this your temple. Make our bodies your temple as the Holy Spirit living us. As make this church your temple. Make your truth and light shine in this church to the community. And bring the souls who hunger and thirst for light to come to us. And let our love keep them. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please. We have been doing a theme called Christ in the Wisdom Books in our uh, communion devotions. We spent a long time doing it just for Psalms. And indeed, Psalms has prophesied Christ many times literally about what he will experience, who he will be. Okay, So the, the idea of Christ is in every book of the Bible you have to recognize, at least I think. In some books of the Bible, Christ is directly prophesied, as in Psalms, as in Isaiah, etc. In some other books, he is there as an extended meaning, not the, the direct meaning. Okay? So we have already talked about in Job, where is Christ? Job is about the righteous people suffering. Why would righteous people suffer? Right? It's for us to recognize that you don't expect gratification in this world for being righteous, okay? To make us realistic, okay? However, in Job, there is the presence of Christ because he said, I know I will stand bodily before my Lord to give him account, right? So the belief in the resurrection 
and standing face to face to the Lord to whom he will give account. And he wrongly expected for an answer, which God doesn't owe. Okay? But the part about that there will be a resurrection and you will give account to the Lord, that Lord is Jesus Christ. Okay? And that's Christ in Job. And we mentioned Christ in Proverbs. Proverbs mentioned an eternal wisdom who is in the beginning. When God created heaven and earth, she was there. Okay? And the, this feminine noun does not only portray an abstract concept of wisdom, okay? as well as the fulfillment in the woman of excellence, okay? typified by that. But also it directly prophesied, portrayed the Holy Spirit, I believe. So the person that wisdom represents was the Holy Spirit rather than the word, the second person. It's the third rather than the second person. However, to be in Christ is the greatest wisdom a man can have. And to refuse to be in Christ is the greatest folly man can have. Okay? When you are, if you are Cinderella and the prince says, I love you, I will give all I have to you, it will be foolish for the girl to say, you're not my type. <laughs> right? It will be greatest folly. She should be exhilarated and say, oh, thank you, why do you choose me? There's no reason, but I accept it. I'm glad you chose me. Right? That's the right attitude. So wisdom, okay? To be in Christ is the ultimate wisdom. In that sense, Christ is in uh, Proverbs. Okay? Not as the direct person prophesied by the wisdom who was in the beginning, who was a she, but he was the extension okay, as the greatest wisdom. And today we're going to talk about Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes and the Song of Solomon were the two books that were once questioned whether they should be in the Old Testament. Because Ecclesiastes seems to be very pessimistic. And the Song of Solomon seemed to be quite fleshly. Okay. But all of those arguments finally all faded away and they were left there. So they were included by Ezra okay, because they were written by Solomon. The questioning happened at the end of the first century, and then it didn't overturn Ezra. Okay, I'm glad it didn't. Okay. Is Christ in Ecclesiastes? Well, in a sense, he is. The book of Ecclesiastes can be divided generally into two parts. The first part tells you everything in life is futility. Okay, is like chasing after wind. Will you ever catch the wind? Okay, is there a song? Everything was in the wind, was it? Blowing in the wind, right? Yeah, okay. blowing in the wind, yeah. In the 60s, right? Yeah. No, no, blowing in the wind. I was talking about Paul, Peter, Paul, and Mary, right? Is it? Yeah, yeah. And <coughs> in the 60s, all the values are going out, and it seems that everything is blowing in the wind. Okay, it's fut futile. Uh huh. 
turn, turn, turn. That's a very beautiful tune. Yeah, although that's a sh called a sh shaker song, though. Okay. I see. The shakers is, is kind of questionable in their faith, but the song was beautiful. Um, yeah, the half of the book of Ecclesiastes tells us that life is futility. Whatever you chase after will be gone. Okay. But the second half tells you that even if you don't have assurance of anything in this world, you should live life responsibly. Okay? So if you, um, there's something like, you know, if you um, planting one place is not secure and then planting seven places, and there's something is going to come out. Okay? If, you know, you do randomly do good, you know, in case at times when you're in need, somebody will do it to you. So there is something that you can expect by probability is going to for sure in this world. But at the end, he said this, chapter 11, verse 9. Rejoice, young man, during your childhood, and let your heart be pleased during the days of youth manhood, uh, young manhood, and follow the impulse of your heart and the desires of your eyes. You know that God will um, bring you to judgment for all these things. So yes, to live in the flesh is both a blessing and a curse. There are some things that you can enjoy only while you're in the flesh. When your soul departs, you will not be able to enjoy the pleasure of food and if you're married, sexual pleasure. Those are good things, okay? However, the desires of the flesh is under the control of, or influence at least, of sinful nature, which pushes you out of the boundary. When you overeat, when you have sex beyond marriage, and those are no longer pleasure, well, they may have some short-term pleasure, but with it comes sin and pain. So that's why the preacher, the Ecclesiastes actually means the preacher. Okay. The preacher said to the young man, yes, enjoy your time when you're young, when you can um, take pleasure in these things. Don't make your life miserable. Don't be a party pooper. Okay. No need. Okay. When you can enjoy life, enjoy life. But remember your boundaries. Because one day you have to give account to the Lord on all things you do. And he has videotape on everything. There's no hiding place. Okay, So that's why I think if Christ is in Ecclesiastes, he is the Lord to whom everybody is giving account to. Right? If you're in Christ, you are forgiven. And then your sins went with him. And whatever you have done after your belief is your glory. His account of righteousness belongs to you because church is his bride. And we have a joint account of his righteousness. But if you're not in Christ, then everything you have done on you that is wrong against God's law, it will be counted on you. And the, the temperature of the gas in hell depends on how many wrongs you have done. 
okay? It could be very low, it could be really high. You know, you just ship between a normal, you know, person who doesn't, never heard of Christ to Hitler and Mao, somewhere in between. And none of those situations is good. So remember, when you are living, enjoy. But remember your boundaries. Remind your accounting, accounting to Christ. And then if you think about him, then your life will be enjoyed and righteous. There is a place for enjoyable, righteous life. Let's all aim for that. That, I think, is Christ in Ecclesiastes. So let's remember, he gave his body for us <coughs> to pay for our sins, and that's what this bread represents. It's going to break, you crunch it, remember his sacrifice. This drink is his covering for our sins by his blood, and his promise of saving us at the end and rejoice for his glory. So let's remember both the past and the future. If you're in Christ, we are one with him we have nothing to fear and all things to rejoice. So live joyously, take your pleasure, and righteously. The body of Christ was given to us. We take it in remembrance of him. And the blood of Christ was shed for us. We take this in remembrance of him. Dear Lord Jesus Christ, Thank you for loving us. Thank you for sacrificing for yourself for us. And thank you for giving us your protection of your blood, covering us from the Father's wrath, and then giving us your promise to bring us into the Father's household. Thank you, and we are loyal to you, and we pray that we will be changed to become harmonious with you during our time on the earth so that when we see you face to face, there will not a shocking change. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.